For many in the Episcopal Church and around the world, this week the worst imaginable thing has happened. Individual women's rights have been taken away. And with that grief comes the fear that other rights may soon be taken away too. So on Pride Sunday, I want to remind you about the rainbow. I want to remind you that when God made the rainbow for the first time, the worst imaginable thing had just happened too. God erased the world. That masterful artist who created all things in the beginning turned the pencil upside down and blotted out everything drawn on the first few pages of the Bible. On that day, only Noah was left and those few who were with him in the ark. Noah lived in the nightmare of an erased world for about a year, hidden away in a small wooden box. And when he finally came out of that closet, the prayers he had prayed rose like incense to the nostrils of God, and God's response was to create a bow in the sky that reached from heaven to earth. It was a sign of God's promise never to be the cause of the worst imaginable thing ever again. A promise that moving forward, God would instead be the cause of the flourishing of all life on earth. Thousands of years after God made a rainbow for Noah, the artist Gilbert Baker made a rainbow for Harvey Milk. It was in the form of a flag that was raised for the first time during the 1978 Gay Freedom Day celebration. And today, the rainbow, it's widely understood as the flag of the worldwide LGBTQ plus nation. Before this rainbow, the only symbol for gay folks was the pink triangle. And it was originally used by the Nazis to denote degenerates. Though reclamation of that pink triangle by queer folks was a subversive act that held its own kind of power, Baker believed that LGBTQ people deserved more dignity in a symbol than whatever the Nazis had come up with. So Baker chose a flag. Because it is a symbol of power, but of unified power. And he chose the rainbow because, and I quote, we needed something beautiful. Baker's rainbow featured eight strips of color. Pink to represent sex. Red for life. Orange for healing. Yellow for the sun. Green for nature. Turquoise for magic and art. Blue for serenity. And purple for spirit. And it is spirit that for me connects Baker's flag to Noah's rainbow. Because as a Christian gay woman, 
Whenever I see the rainbow, I remember God's promise not to erase me. That is the fear of so many of us, isn't it? The fear that rises up whenever the worst imaginable thing happens. Will God erase me? Somewhere along the way, you may have heard the church teach in word or in action that God erases mistakes like you. Christianity and homosexuality don't have a long track record of playing very nice together. But my experience as an Episcopalian has taught me that the gay flag and the Christian flag can hold space together. And the glue that bonds them is Jesus. Jesus is the greatest ally the LGBTQ nation has. For the message in the Gospels and the letters of the early church has never been, you're a mistake. But rather, you are and have always been loved by a God who is love incarnate and who created you to love others. Just before I moved back to Cleveland, I sat with a college student who grew up in an evangelical church and is now a young adult trying to make sense of his first romantic relationship with someone of the same sex. And whenever Stephen and I would talk about morals and ethics, the conversation would become confusing to him. There were Bible verses lodged in his mind that were torn out of context and taped back together in a hodgepodge theology that always ended in judgment condemnation, and self-hatred. On this particular day, Stephen came to me worried about coming out to his parents. He was considering leaving behind the life and family values that he had grown up with and that he thought he needed in order to remain Christian. But Jesus was my ally when I came out to an evangelical parent, and I knew Jesus was Stephen's ally, too. So I asked him, where are you in Jesus right now in all of this? And Stephen quoted to me a snippet from today's reading in Luke's gospel. He said, right now, Jesus is saying to me, follow me. But I say, Lord, first let me go say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus says to me, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Like so many gay folks, Stephen worried he couldn't be Christian and gay at the same time. He thought that being gay meant he lost his chance at being a true follower of Jesus. He didn't believe that God's rainbow and Baker's rainbow could mean the same thing. Now you may have heard it said, that in the Bible, Jesus never talks about same-sex relationships or actions ever. And that's true. And what's also true is that if Jesus were walking around in 1940s Germany, he may have been wearing a pink triangle next to Stephen when the Nazis pinned them on the lapels of men. Jesus' Jewishness is part of what makes it easy to recognize him as a potential LGBTQ ally. He knows what it is to be scapegoated, to receive the violence of everyone else's repressed fears and anger. 
And I see in the opening of today's gospel, Jesus addressing the world's impulse to place restrictions and blame on any human being that it fears. Today's gospel story opens with Jesus hearing that the Samaritans don't want anything to do with him. Now, some full-blooded Jews, to some full-blooded Jews, the Samaritans were considered half-Jew degenerates. So the disciples become indignant at their response to Jesus and say, Jesus, is it okay for us to rain down some fire from heaven to destroy these degenerates? And I wonder if in that moment Jesus saw a rainbow in the sky, or at least in his mind, because he quickly turns to his friends and tells them that erasing people from the earth is not the way that we handle personal rejection. (laughs) Then we get three encounters with Jesus and the Samaritans on the road. And the last encounter is what Stephen quoted to me. I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. Now, we didn't read it today, but the Old Testament reading is um, a story about Elisha and Elijah. So I want you to know that this quotation, I will follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at home, it comes directly from the Old Testament reading for today. It's a conversation between Elisha and the prophet Elijah. Now, here's the story. Elisha is a potential successor to the famed prophet. And when the prophet approaches Elisha, Elisha is in the middle of plowing a field. And Elijah is coming to anoint him. So in response to that invitation to be anointed the next prophet, Elisha says, well, let me go kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And Elijah says, okay. (laughs) Now, Elijah's response and Jesus' response sound different. Elijah says, okay. But Jesus says to the Samaritan, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is what worries Stephen. And it has worried a lot of people who think that the supposed degenerates just can't be followers of Jesus. But when Elijah allows Elisha to return home to kiss his parents, in that, in that statement in the Old Testament reading, he implies that it is not he who calls Elisha to be a prophet. Elijah has nothing to do with it. God is the one calling Elisha out. So who is Elijah to tell Elisha what to do? Okay. And so I wonder, since Jesus tells us he came to fulfill the law, not to replace it, if perhaps his response and Elijah's response are not that different. No matter what other human beings say, it is always God who calls us out, calls us out of the field, out of the ark, out of the closet. In the original story, Elisha returns home. And he says goodbye to his family so that he can follow God's invitation. And boy, does he do his goodbye with panache. In a grand gesture, Elisha burns the wood of his farming plow 
and he uses the metal to slaughter the animals yoked to it, okay? He destroys his previous means of survival, and he uses that to host a feast for his family and the, the whole community. Then Elisha leaves. He leaves everyone he knew behind, and he follows Elijah into a new way of life as a prophet of God. When he said he needed to go say goodbye to his family, I think Elijah thought that was a pretty decent idea. (laughs) I'm asking you to come. And so I wonder if when Jesus responds to the Samaritan, maybe he wasn't actually judging the man. That's what Stephen thought Jesus was doing when he read his words. Stephen thought that Jesus would judge him for leaving behind his family and the values of the evangelical church he grew up in. That was his worst imaginable thing. But see, how we hear what Jesus says to us is based on whether we assume Jesus is the son of the God of the flood or if Jesus is the son of the God of the rainbow. Is Jesus God's harbinger of the worst imaginable thing? Or is Jesus God's harbinger of love? I don't think Jesus scolded the man. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Never heard a sermon that sounded like that from Jesus' lips. But rather, maybe his inflection held in it a hallelujah, a rejoicing. That's great. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Go, say goodbye. I don't know what the worst imaginable thing is in your world or what worst imaginable things have happened in your life. But I invite you to meet Jesus in your worst imaginable thing, just like Noah did. Just as Stephen did. And to trust that whatever God is saying to you, it holds within it the promise of the rainbow and not the flood. You are not a mistake. You are the beloved of God. And it's okay if it takes you some time to believe it. It's okay if it takes you some time to figure out if you want to follow this Jesus out of the closet of your worst imaginable thing. We learned today that he will not rain down fire from heaven upon you. And he seems perfectly fine if you want to go back and say goodbye to your family. While you're there, he may even encourage you to break whatever you need to break. And like Elijah did, throw a party with whoever will celebrate with you. My hope and prayer today is that we all come out of the closet to realize there is love and there is life after the worst imaginable thing.